2: Time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply.
3: Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama.
4: In July
2: 1997.
5: Emergency. shot. I'm shot Versace. There's something inherently sexy in a Versace design. There is a flamboyance that is contained and controlled. Why should anybody care about fashion?
6: Even the people who say they don't care, they care, I promise you.
5: The clothes we wear send a message about how the world perceives us. It's just a real wow factor. I'm Tim Gunn, and I am the mentor on Project Runway. The Versace customer was not faint of heart. One of the most iconic Versace pieces was the gown that he made for Elizabeth Hurley. Two stars were born with that dress. Princess Diana wanted a a whole new look for the world. And Courtney loved it also. I mean, he took her from trashy to sophisticated.
2: Versace helped put Miami on the international map. My name is Tara Solomon, and I am the Miami Herald's former nightlife correspondent. Versace brought his entire world of fabulosity. Miami is cool. Miami is a place where you can be yourself. And while he may have had homes all around the world, he came to Miami Beach to relax. The weather
6: is fantastic. I wake up and I walk. I'm very serene there.
7: Do you remember where you were when you heard that Versace had been murdered?
5: Oh, I remember profoundly. I opened up my computer and it flashed before me that Gianni Versace had been murdered. I was stunned.
2: When Versace was killed, there was pure pandemonium.
8: On that particular morning, Gianni Versace decided to go over to the news cafe, and it was on his return home, approaching the door, he was uh, he was shot and killed. And all of a sudden, we hear bang, bang, two shots. 11, 16,
3: ocean. Yes, master shot. Please immediately please.
9: Do you remember where roughly he was? He was right, right here. And there so, was obviously. Blood, yes, plenty of blood.
4: If you mention Johnny Versace, um, people still don't remember those names of the first few people that were killed.
10: There was uh, the homicide of Jeff Trail and David Matson. There was the murder of Lee Miglin. Then there was the murder of William Reese. We have what we typically call a spree killer. This wasn't a haphazard crime. Mr. Versace was targeted.
7: I'm Richard Schlesinger. Tonight on 48 Hours, Murder by Design.
0: Of the 48 Hours podcast, know that life can be unpredictable, and the last thing you want is uncertainty on your own doorstep. Simply Safe provides 24 7 monitoring and live guard protection, prioritizing your safety around the clock. With affordable plans starting at less than a dollar a day, it's the best choice for protecting what matters most. With Simply Safe, there are no long term contracts, and installation is simple. Whether you do it yourself or opt for professional installation, and you can rest easy knowing Simply Safe offers a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Take control of your security today. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/48hours. Don't wait until it's too late. Protect what matters most with Simply Safe. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's talk about my mochi
11: ice cream. Why? Gluten free, perfectly portioned, and only around 90 calories per piece. Taste the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream today. Find My Mochi at Walmart or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you.
12: world-famous
3: fashion designer Gianni Versace fatally shot. Gunned down outside his mansion in Miami Beach floor. Turned into a gruesome crime scene early this morning.
7: Five days before he was murdered, Gianni Versace and his partner Antonio D'Amico had arrived at Casa Casarina, their lavish Miami Beach retreat. They'd been in Paris and New York. Versace could not have known it but his killer was already in town.
3: 911.
7: The 911 call came in about 8.45, the morning of July 15, 1997, just as Carlos Noriega, then a lieutenant with the Miami Beach Police Department, was heading to work.
8: I drove over to the scene and encountered an area just flooded with police officers. There was uh, evidence at the front steps. There was blood. There was uh, clothing. Gianni Versace was an icon. You have a world-renowned fashion designer, a celebrity, who was tragically killed. This was all hands on deck. Yeah, You don't want to screw this case up. Exactly.
7: It all happened in broad daylight. Versace had gone out, alone, to a local cafe to buy magazines
8: and then he walked home. As he was putting the key in the door lock, he was shot twice, once in the face, point black range, and the other one was behind the left ear, in the neck, and that was a through-and-through through shot.
7: Noriega believes the gunman approached Versace from behind
8: or from the side. I believe he was shadowing him. It was a very strategically timed, strategically placed attack. Uh, to to kill Gianni Versace. The question was, who would want to kill him? One of the first motives that we felt was a possibility was that it was a contract hit, or organized crime, mafia, if you will, uh, because there was a dead bird found next to the body. Is that a sign? to, To us, that's a sign of a mafia hit.
7: But the bird, it turned out, was in the wrong place at the wrong time, hit by a fragment from a bullet that killed Versace. And that left police with not much to go on. But not for long. They got a break from Lazaro Quintana, who was a friend of Versace's. He used
9: to call me Lazaretta.
7: Lazaro was at the mansion that morning. He was in the dining room with Antonio when he
9: heard the shots. Antonio got up and he went to the window that faces the gate to enter the mansion. And he yelled out, no, no. And I ran out.
7: You came here? I came here. Johnny was right here. Versace was already dead on the front steps.
9: And then Antonio came, and he was, he's crying, and he was destroyed. He was destroyed. And he's, he's who did this? Who did this? And there was, a, there was a lady standing here, and she's pointing, but she couldn't speak. Antonio said, go get him. So I went after him. Lazaro followed the gunman. We're talking this pace real fast. I yelled, you bastard. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? He makes a left turn. As he makes the left turn, yes, he makes the left turn. And we're still going. We're still going all the way through. He turns over to the right. And car's coming, so I couldn't get across. Car stops. Uh And they yell, he's got a gun. He stops right across here at the alley. And that's when he's pointing the gun at me. Show me how he pointed the gun at you, if I'm you. So he didn't even look at you. No, never looked at
7: You never saw I his never face. I never saw his face. But you saw his clothes. Yes. The shooter cut through this alley while Lazaro raced around the corner. He remembered seeing
9: a police officer there earlier. I reached him and I said to him, Mr. Versace has just been shot. Were you calm? Were you, or were you, no. No? No. A friend of mine was just shot. No, was I calm? I was nervous. I was upset.
7: You came down this street with the police officer. I did. Luckily, he came upon some men in front of this building and asked them if they saw a man running.
9: And they pointed. They pointed to the garage. He said he went in here. He went in here. So that's when I told the officer, I said, he's in there, go get him, go get him. And then we heard over the radio the commotion and, and okay, now there is a manhunt.
7: When police searched the 13th Street garage, they discovered a pile of clothes, a gray t-shirt, and black shorts, just what Lazaro had seen the shooter wearing. He had obviously changed clothes. When he walked out of this garage just shortly after the murder, nobody knew who the shooter was. Nobody knew what he looked like. Nobody knew what he was wearing. He was able to just vanish. But he left a mountain of evidence for investigators. Next to that pile of clothes was a truck that had been reported stolen in New Jersey. And inside the truck were documents
8: with a name. I mean, he left his identification in the truck? That's correct. He had his passport, um, ID, a whole lot of items that connected him right away.
7: By 12 noon, some three hours after Johnny Versace was murdered, police had a suspect. His name, Andrew Cunanan. And as it turned out, the Miami Beach Police Department was not the only one looking for him.
11: Do you ever wonder where all your money went?
6: In Milan, Italy today, those who knew and admired Gianni Versace said goodbye to the murdered fashion designer.
7: One week after Gianni Versace was murdered, celebrities and friends from around the world gathered inside this Gothic cathedral in Milan, Italy, for his funeral.
9: I saw Versace's funeral on television, and I cried. It was, it was hard, it was tough. Princess Diana was there at the funeral, Sting, Trudy, Elton.
7: In Miami, not far from where he was murdered, there was a small intimate service to celebrate the designer's life. The flowers left on the steps of Versace's opulent mansion served as one somber reminder of what had happened. We consider Andrew Cunanan to be armed and to be extremely dangerous. The police activity was another. They were tracking every lead they could, hunting for Johnny Versace's suspected killer, 27-year-old Andrew Cunanan. He had a very
6: good suspect. Michael Band was the prosecutor assigned to this case. And our first step was to go out into community with pictures of Cunanan and start beating the bushes and looking for this guy, looking to figure out, is this the guy?
7: Authorities were starting to learn all about Andrew Cunanan. Three months before Versace's murder, Kunanen was living in San Diego and his life was to say the least complicated
5: i thought he'd be a very successful businessman or maybe in you know the fashion industry or something star quality like
7: back in the 80s robert erens remembers his seventh grade classmate andrew cunanan as a good-looking kid with a keen fashion sense i remember andrew would put
5: dimes in his penny loafers It was always that little extra something that made him sort of stand out and get noticed. Andrew sort of had this air about him that I thought was kind of
7: beyond his years at that time. According to Erins, Andrew Cunanan grew up in a working class San Diego suburb and did not share much about his home life. I had no idea who his mom was, his dad, whether he had brothers or sisters. I had no idea who was half Filipino. Andrew's father, Modesto, was a former Navy man turned stockbroker. He and Andrew's mother, Mary raised four children together. But Andrew stood out. He had a genius IQ, so he enrolled in the pricey and prestigious Bishop School in the Tony Beach Enclave of La Jolla.
5: When I heard that he was going to La Jolla and transferring to bishops, I thought, well, you've got to have money. That's a private school.
7: The class of 1987 mentioned Andrew Cunanan as most likely to be remembered. He chose a quote from King Louis XV to accompany his senior photo, après moi, le déluge. After me, the deluge. Turns out those words could have been an omen A year after Andrew's high school graduation, his father was facing embezzlement charges. He fled the country, leaving his family abandoned and broke.
12: He was openly gay in high school and very flamboyant.
7: When 48 Hours first spoke to Nicole Murray Ramirez back in 1997, uh, uh, he knew Andrew Cunanan. Today, he still remembers Cunanan as the young man
12: who didn't have a job, but was a big spender and an even bigger talker. Andrew Cunanan was basically known in the gay community's nightlife and the bar scene. He would walk in with an entourage and always pay for the bill. He wanted the illusion that it was his money. He tried to brag that he came from a Filipino family and he knew they're Marcos.
7: Michael Williams owned a local restaurant and knew Andrew Cunanan. He also knew where Cunanan really got all
4: that money. He had a very wealthy, older partner who really provided for him. How much older? I would say probably by 40 years.
7: What did you make of that relationship?
4: I stopped trying to figure that out. I was like, you know, here's this young, attractive, good-looking guy with this extremely older man. I mean, I can't imagine what the connection was there.
7: I would imagine that you had an idea what the connection was there. I did, you know. Michael Williams was introduced to Andrew through their mutual friend, a young ensign named Jeff Trail.
4: Andrew was very pretentious, loud, you know, always had to be the center of the the party. Jeff was opposite of that. Jeff was pretty conservative and quiet, always helping people. Trail was an Annapolis
7: graduate and a Gulf War veteran living in San Diego. He was also gay, as out as was possible. Tonight on 48 Hours, the battle over homosexuals in the military. In 1993, when he appeared in Silhouette for a 48 Hours interview, he talked to us about issues affecting gay people in the military.
12: We're not here
9: to be feared. We just want to do our jobs. That's all we're asking for. While
7: Trail and Cunanan were friends, to the best of anybody's knowledge, that is
4: all they were. Jeff was always, uh, had the contagious personality that where you just wanted to be around him. And I think that, you know, in a way, Andrew wanted that in his life. So surrounding himself around Jeff, he always seemed very happy and, and up. You did not like Andrew. No.
7: For reasons known only to Cananen, he sometimes used the name Andrew De Silva. That's how Michael Williams knew him, and he would soon learn a lot more about Andrew. Who he was and what he would do would change the life of Michael Williams and end the lives of five innocent victims.
12: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
11: Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash rocketmoney.com slash Wondery.
7: Tracing Andrew Cunanan's blood-soaked path to Johnny Versace's front door means following a series of unexplainable events... Punctuated with unfathomable viciousness. None of the dots are easily connected, except in the mind of the murderer. The road begins with Jeff Trail. He
4: just had that charisma about him.
7: It was Trail who befriended Andrew Cunanan, and Michael Williams believes his friend knew Cunanan had lived a dangerous life.
4: Andrew had a past of dealing drugs. He had a past of prostitution. And I really think that Jeff was trying to pull him out of that.
7: Williams says Jeff Trail had left the Navy and was training to join the California Highway Patrol. And then, suddenly, and with no explanation, in the fall of 1996, Trail moved to Minneapolis.
4: The day that he got in the car to leave... I said, please be safe. And he reached under the seat, and he he pulled out his handgun. And he said, I'm gonna be safe. I've got this.
7: Around that same time, Jeff Trail's friend, Andrew Cunanan, was
12: struggling, according to Nicole Murray Ramirez. He was not good looking anymore. He had to have looked in the mirror and saw what I saw, which was a, a six going down to a four. What was left for his life? Cunanan had gained weight and given away much of his expensive designer wardrobe. He had dabbled into drugs. He was now an older young man with average looks. On top of that, his older wealthy partner broke up with him. I surmise that Andrew one day woke up after his older boyfriend broke up the relationship. And what's next? How is he going to live? He lost the money, the mansion, and all that went with it. He
10: lived off other people. He also was someone who was revengeful. Former
7: FBI profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole.
10: This is not someone that you break up with easily, because when you're grandiose and you're the center of the world, people don't break up with you.
7: And then, for reasons Cunanan never fully explained, on Friday, April twenty fifth, 1997, he went to Minneapolis. He flew from San Diego on a one-way ticket. Do you think that he went up to Minneapolis with murder on his mind?
10: Yes, I think that he did.
7: Cunanan knew people in Minneapolis. Jeff Trail was there. And Michael Williams thinks something happened between the two of them.
4: I called to check on Jeff, and he was just really depressed. It alarmed me. We'd never had a conversation like that. I, uh... I asked him, have you spoken to Andrew? And he said, uh, No, and I'll never speak to him again. That's odd. Cunanan knew somebody else
7: in Minneapolis, a 33-year-old architect named David Madsen. Cunanan and Madsen had had a relationship.
13: He loved to laugh.
6: I just got a little lunch, okay?
13: And he always had big energy.
7: Julie Hovland was David Madsen's friend and co-worker.
13: He, like problem-solving. We talked about world issues. He was a down-to-earth person.
7: Did David ever mention Andrew Cunanan?
13: Um Yes, he did. I think he had a fling with Andrew. Um, I don't think it was anything serious because there were other people in his yeah. life that he, he cared about Cunanan. more. He didn't care about Andrew uh, that much, really.
7: But according to Cunanan's friends, Andrew believed David was the love of his life. Julie Hovland didn't talk to David Madsen over the weekend. On Monday, she was surprised when he didn't show up at work. And by Tuesday, everyone was worried. I called him,
13: went to voice messaging, and um, a couple of my co-workers went to his house over lunch hour on Tuesday, Um, heard his dog barking in the apartment.
7: She didn't know it, but Cunanan's killing spree had already started.
4: It was noticeable as soon as you'd open the door and walk in. Nobody made any effort to try and conceal it or hide it.
7: When retired Minneapolis homicide detective Dale Barsness arrived at Madsen's apartment, what he saw was gruesome. There was a bloody body wrapped in a rug.
13: I thought he was dead that day. I pretty much cried the whole night. And then later, we found out that um, it wasn't David's body in the, the carpet.
7: How did you feel when you heard that?
13: Um, shocked. But then, oh... What happened?
7: The body in David Madsen's apartment was Jeff Trail. He had been beaten to death with a hammer. And not far from the body, police found a duffel bag with a name on it. Andrew Cunanan.
9: This is the travel bag that we believe uh, Andrew Cunanan brought to Minneapolis on uh, April 25th. But where was Andrew Cunanan?
7: And where was David Madsen? The trail stayed cold for just four days. And then on Saturday morning, two fishermen found the body of a young man on the shores of East Rush Lake about an hour north of Minneapolis. It was David Madsen. He'd been shot in the head.
13: We learned that David died pretty soon after Jeff Trail. Oh my gosh, you know, to be in... The situation that David's in with this crazy person, you know, and how scary for him. I'm sure he tried to calm Andrew down, you know, I mean, I'm sure there was survival mode going on, like, how do you defuse the situation? But he obviously failed at that, um, and he lost his life because of that.
7: Ballistic tests showed the bullets used to kill Madsen came from a 40-caliber gun like the one Jeff Trail had taken to Minneapolis. Police believe Cunanan took that gun. Presumably, when you were able to link Madsen's death to Trail's death, that changed the whole investigation. Yeah, now we're down to where's Andrew. There were tire tracks near Madsen's body, and his car, a red Jeep, was missing. But it would not stay missing for long.
13: 72-year-old Lee Miglin was found tortured and stabbed to death in the garage of his mansion on Chicago's Gold Coast.
7: On the morning of May third, 1997, Stephen and Barbara Beyer found the body of their neighbor, Lee Miglin. He was a wealthy real estate developer.
4: I can still picture it today. I could see the points of his shoes.
2: And I said, Lee is right there. I mean, it was absolutely um, chilling.
7: Inside Lee Miglin's townhouse, there was some money and other things missing, and there was evidence the killer had stayed a while. Police photos show he had shaved and taken a bath.
8: Debris in the kitchen sink, uh, melted ice cream coming out of their containers. Then in uh, Lee's library, uh, finding this uh, large ham... Uh, sliced sitting on his desk, that was plenty to recognize that uh, something very, very bad had gone on.
7: Around the corner from the murder scene, police would discover David Madsen's red Jeep. But now, Lee Miglin's green Lexus was missing. To this day, police do not know what, if any, connection Cunanan had to Miglin. But they feared Cunanan would strike again.
2: Hey, Los Angeles, are you looking for unique 4th of July plans for you and your friends or family? LA's greatest rivalry returns to Rose Bowl Stadium for a July 4th edition of the El Trafico soccer matchup as the LA Galaxy return to their original home to defend their turf against LAFC. Last year, a record crowd of over 82,000 fans were on hand to witness the Galaxy victory. That's July 4th at Rose Bowl Stadium. Guaranteed fireworks both on and off the field and a celebration for for all of LA. LA Galaxy versus LAFC, the Rose Bowl edition. Tickets at slash tickets.
6: I do know it's not a random act of violence. A nationwide manhunt is still underway for Cunanan.
7: After Andrew Cunanan murdered Jeff Trail, David Madsen, and Lee Miglin. The gay community
4: was terrified, especially in San Diego. I think everybody was in a state of shock. I think some people were in a state of fear. People didn't answer their doors. People that knew him the most stayed other places.
7: Michael Williams relocated to Scottsdale, Arizona. Everybody was on very high alert. Because he didn't know where he was going to strike again. Yeah. Just six days after he killed Miglin, while Cunanan was on the run in Miglin's green Lexus, police believe he realized the FBI was tracking the car phone's signal and he needed a new vehicle.
13: He's believed to have struck here in Pennsville Friday afternoon at the remote Fins Point Cemetery at Fort Mott Park. FBI is going to work it
1: concurrently with the New Jersey State Police.
7: The Lexus was found at this cemetery in southern New Jersey. Inside the office lay victim number four. He was 45-year-old William Reese. He'd been shot in the head, and his red pickup was gone.
4: Yeah, he... All he was is a caretaker at a cemetery.
7: Minneapolis detective Dale Barsness says William Reese was killed simply for his truck. You know, he just was a very honorable man. In the wrong place.
9: Absolutely. At the wrong time. And alone.
7: You're ensconced Skons- somewhere in Scottsdale. He's last heard of in New Jersey. Can you relax? No. Until he's
4: caught, you don't relax.
7: As Johnny Versace was in Europe working on what would be his final collection, Andrew Cunanan was the focus of a nationwide manhunt. He was featured on America's Most Wanted.
12: Police say Cunanan may be wearing glasses.
7: And earned a spot on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. You think he enjoyed the, the attention that he got?
10: Oh, I absolutely do.
7: Former FBI profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole.
10: He basically held the United States hostage because we were looking for him everywhere. We didn't know where he was.
7: O'Toole says, having murdered four men in three states over 12 days, Cunanan was now considered a spree killer.
10: A spree killer continues and continues and continues and does not go back into their normal life. Life as they know it, it's done.
7: So O'Toole believes Cunanan knew he had nothing to lose.
10: There's no way to undo what he's done now. Absolutely no way. So he's really boxed himself into a corner. From a behavioral standpoint, that makes him more dangerous.
7: But then, for two months, there was no sign of Cunanan. Until July 15, 1997, when he struck again. This time was different, because this time His victim was Johnny Versace. When you heard that he had done
4: it again, do you remember how you felt? Every time there was another killing, it was almost like you're being stabbed, you know? It's that rush of pain and you just automatically, oh my God, why can't they catch him?
8: There's no question that he knew that we were hot on this trail. Carlos Noriega remembers that within hours, hundreds
7: of police officers piled onto Miami Beach.
8: We all but locked down uh, the causeways and the ways in and out of the city. And I believe that created that bottleneck where he felt uncomfortable trying to leave the city.
6: Crime Stoppers.
8: With all the attention on this case, every day brought a
7: flood of tips. How long ago? The tips that were coming in were overwhelming at times. Especially since this was Detective Gus Sanchez's first homicide investigation. Were you nervous at all? Of course I was.
4: Yeah? yeah. We know already that he had killed uh, numerous people. I remember going to different locations, knocking on doors. And it always crosses your mind that Cunanan can be in there armed and he can shoot through the door.
7: Detectives soon learned Cunanan had been in Miami Beach for about two months. He was sort of hiding in plain sight. Exactly. The police had missed several opportunities to get him. About a week before he killed Versace, Cunanan pawned a gold coin stolen from Lee Miglin.
8: How'd the pawn shop know it was him? He told them. Pawned the coin about a week before the homicide and used his own name. Used his own name. What's more,
7: Cunanan's name was on a form the pawn shop was required to send to the Miami Beach Police Department. It arrived five days before the murder. We did not have an automated system at the time. It was just one of many forms, and unfortunately, nobody looked at it. Did you think,
8: why didn't we know about this before Johnny Versace was killed? That thought went through my mind several times, because apparently he was on the beach for a period of time.
7: Cunanan listed his address as the Normandy Plaza Hotel. It was a dump. You and I wouldn't stay in that hotel he'd registered under his own name. must drive you nuts to know that this guy was walking
8: around free as a bird, right? I I mean, just the fact that this guy was being looked for speaks to the fact that he was able to blend in uh, and change his appearance and successfully just stay one step ahead that way.
7: Things might have turned out differently if police had a little more luck. Four days before Versace was killed, someone at this sub shop recognized Cunanan from the America's Most Wanted story. He
8: called the police, but they arrived too late. I was disappointed. I was frustrated. It's just unfortunate that we didn't catch him before it happened. After Versace's
7: murder, with Cunanan on the loose, anxiety grew.
12: Let me assure you that Miami Beach and Dade County are safe.
7: I was afraid. Remember, Versace's friend,
9: Lazaro Quintana, had chased Cunanan. So I told the officer, go get him. He's in there. Go get him. He knew who I was, but I didn't know who he was. How did you behave when you were out? Scared, cautious, looking over my shoulder a lot. Literally? I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, I got goosebumps on it, absolutely. This man had a gun. This man knew what he was doing.
7: The longer Cunanan dodged police, the more
6: intense the hunt became. I think the police were getting anxious. Where could he be? What kind of resources did he have? Former prosecutor Michael Band. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on law enforcement. The whole world's watching, but we don't want anybody else dead.
8: There was a sense that maybe we lost him by some people. I just thought that he was hiding out. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. And then the tip came in that would
7: change
6: everything. Here we go, guys. Here we go. I get a call. Michael, I think we found him.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
4: I heard over the police radio that there had been a shot fired. That they were surrounding a houseboat. You think what? We got him.
7: After a nine-day manhunt, Miami Beach detective Gus Sanchez believed Andrew Cunanan was finally cornered on a houseboat just 40 blocks from where he had shot down Johnny Versace. When Sanchez arrived, it was a standoff. At this point, nobody's seen Cunanan on the houseboat. No, there's no confirmation at this point. The houseboat's caretaker saw signs of a break-in. And when he went inside, a shot was fired. Police quickly surrounded the houseboat. They are communicating by bullhorn with the houseboat. After a four-hour siege, the SWAT team fired tear gas and went on board. When it was safe, prosecutor Michael Band followed them. It was a mess. It was just a mess. In an upstairs bedroom,
6: they found a body. I just recall an individual lying on the bed looking up He had a bullet wound in his head. There's a gun next to him. When you looked at that face, what did your gut tell you? My gut told me it's him. But that wasn't enough. I wanted his fingerprints.
7: As Band waited, an expert at the scene compared fingerprints from the
6: corpse with Cunanan's. He looks up and he says, it's him.
7: Reign of terror brought upon us by... Andrew Cunanan is over. It turned out Cunanan shot himself with the same gun he used to kill Johnny Versace, William Reese, and David Madsen. It was the gun he had taken from his friend and first victim, Jeff Trail.
4: There's a sense of relief.
7: But this was not the outcome Michael Williams hoped for.
4: I didn't want him to do anything but go to jail and rot.
7: Andrew Cunanan's suicide left the world with a pile of questions. Was there any connection between Johnny Versace and Andrew Cunanan? There have always been rumors.
8: There is no hard evidence. Do you think they knew each other? I I think there's a strong possibility that they they crossed paths before. And that plays into
4: his motive. I I think so. I think they knew each other. Or he wanted to be in his circle, and maybe he was rejected. And this is all speculation. There is some sense it's
6: not complete. Why'd he do it? What was the folks in Minnesota? Why Chicago? Why New Jersey? Why Versace? Was there a connection there? Was this just some sort of serendipitous, unfortunate occasion where just two lives intersected at the wrong time? And we'll never know. We'll never know. Fashion, to me, born and die every day.
7: Johnny Versace was already thinking about his legacy when he talked to Charlie Rose in 1994.
6: The thing I want to be remembered is what I will do tomorrow.
7: Twenty years after Versace's death, Tim Gunn says Versace's influence
5: still lives. Sexy, alluring, gorgeous red carpet gowns, it's all attributable to Johnny Versace. Mm.
7: Singer Bruno Mars not only wears Versace, he mentions Versace in one of his songs. If guys like Bruno Mars are singing about Johnny Versace 20 years after his death, what in your mind does that say about Johnny Versace?
5: That he's fully embedded in our society and culture and has a, has a profound legacy.
13: I feel his presence uh, when I'm designing.
7: Leanna Aguilar, a Project Runway contestant, was just a teenager when Versace was killed. There are Versace elements in what you're wearing today, right? Yes.
13: Tim Gunn saw this and he said, this looks like Versace. And I was like, yes, mission
2: accomplished. Mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> Of course, the memories are infinitely more personal for Michael Williams, who lost his best friend. And two decades later, it still hurts.
4: This hasn't left you. I'm better. It's taken me years. You know, if it was just Jeff being killed, would be one thing. But then you got David and Lee Miglin and William Race and Johnny Versace. Five people that you're... Now connected to.
7: It is a connection no one would ever seek. The world lost an icon, but five families lost loved ones, friends lost friends, all for a reason we'll never know, if there ever was one.
9: death, the House of Versace continues to succeed under the leadership of Johnny's sister, Donatella. For more of Tim Gunn on Versace's legacy, join us online
3: at 48hours.com.
6: Always on the go? Well, now you can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on CBS Mornings On The Go. It's a podcast you can listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery+. Plus.
9: For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books.